Well, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever time you're listening to this, because this is an on-demand podcast. This is Crucial Conversations. I'm Peter, and my friend Kevin is here with me once again. Hi. <laughs> I love the, the awkward handoff strange. to Kevin. <laughs> As always, you can find us on social media. Perhaps that's how you have discovered us today. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're on all those places. And we also have a website, crucialproductions.org, which actually is the organization that supports and produces this podcast, among other things. Which brings me to my next and final point before we actually get into the show. Kevin's rolling his eyes. <laughs> Is that if you wish to support this and the other things that we're doing, crucialproductions.org slash give is the place to do that. And when you do that, you're not just supporting a podcast because it's a podcast. I mean, that's kind of seems kind of silly to just support a podcast. Yeah what you'd be supporting is actually our bigger project. That's what we're really wanting to get going. And we kind of need some gear to do that. And that is the Bible in five. Head on over to our Patreon account. Look for Crucial Productions on Patreon or in the link to the show notes. You can find out more about that. Anything you can give would be awesome. They can also support us on Amazon Smile. Yeah, we are an official nonprofit to 501c3, which means we're now up on Amazon Smile. So you can buy stuff on Amazon and give a little bit to us at the same time. Also, if they're Thrivent members, we're part of Thrivent Choice. They can designate their dollars. Yeah, your choice dollars can go to Crucial Productions. So all that is on the give page, actually. So that's an easy place to find all yeah. that information. Yeah, we promise we'll, we'll be good stewards. We will. And perhaps we can fix some of the audio problems we had last week. Yeah, I doubt it, but we'll try. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what closer. happens this week. This will be interesting. Yeah. We, that, the problem is the money won't fix user error, but oh, but the gear won't be the problem at least. That well, way. yeah, then, then at least we know it's our fault. Yeah, yeah. it's easier. So there's that. So we're not going to talk about money or gear. What are we going to talk no, about? No, we're done talking about that. Good. We're going to talk about Jesus, and we're going to talk about trust some more today. And we had a listener question from episode 16 on trust. And we're also going to talk a little bit about a question of when relatives pass away and we are unsure of their uh, confession. What, what do we do as Christians? How do we talk through? How do we think through and process that kind of a situation? So that's what we're doing on our show today. So hopefully you stick around. Kevin, you've got your Bible open and you look like you want to share something. I always have my Bible open. Let's be clear. Well, you don't always look like you want to share something. So like those two things have converged. Well, I think I think um, the the question we had from last episode, which might not be the last episode, it was episode sixteen. This right. is nineteen. See, if, I can't and count. If anybody else is counting, whatever episode it was, <laughs> um, the concern was that we were dismissing historicity and evidence for the resurrection. Or, the, or even the historical reality of Jesus and saying, don't trust that, just trust Jesus. Yeah, so how about I read that question real quick. So this is Merritt who's asking the question. I understand that we trust Jesus rather than an event, but how do we engage that discussion without acting as though we dismiss the history and reality of the resurrection? Paul points people to Jesus and how he was raised. He provides evidence for the fact of the resurrection 
on the last show, episode 16, though it was a, it was as though any history was tossed aside so we don't obscure Jesus, even though the history is about Jesus. I hope that makes sense. It, it does, Merit. We, we understand what you're asking. Okay, continue, Kevin. So I, I think the interesting thing is, is um, I'm not sure I would agree that Paul presents evidence for the resurrection. Okay. I think, I think here's the passage that I'm, I'm assuming is being referred to here. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and Paul writes, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So I think that's that's the evidence that Paul gives for the resurrection. Yeah, I mean, that that would definitely fit that yeah. idea. Now, the, the issue is that Paul actually does not give any historical evidence. He simply passes on the word of testimony from the church. And that that he, he says, this is what I received. This is what I received. Um, and he received it from fellow believers and is the testimony of what Christ has done. It starts with the testimony of the crucifixion and moves to the burial and the resurrection. But again, notice he doesn't cite um, day or time. He doesn't cite Roman records. Hmm. He doesn't cite archaeological evidence or you can go look at the tomb and I'll show you which one it is. He doesn't cite any of that. Yeah, we don't actually see anybody doing that apart from the actual day of the resurrection. Right. A few people went and looked. And that's about it. Beyond that, it doesn't seem to have become a tourist trap. So the point is not that we're getting rid of historicity or the historical accounts or saying these aren't historical accounts. Right. The point is that faith is not an intellectual agreement. We don't line up intellectually provable events and say, therefore, I believe. Right. We believe that faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit might use history to help us understand our faith or to help us explain our faith or, in this case, to help us testify to our faith. But we do not have faith in the fact that there is an empty tomb. And if we're going to go with Paul again, you have Romans 10, I believe 15, where he says, faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. 10, 17. I knew it was in there somewhere. It's, close. it's in a teen. Oh, the 15 is the feet one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's the feet. So, so yeah, and, and what we're what we're trying to get at is that even in this question, which I truly appreciate and I and I love, yeah, this is I love a, the a, discussion. And it's a great question to help us clarify what we're actually talking about. And to so, make sure that we're not making mistakes and going too far in one direction yeah. or to other. <laughs> it's possible. Right? We, we might have actually said something wrong yeah, and we, need to be corrected. Oops. <laughs> um, but, but I think our real goal in this discussion is to say, you know, even the historical proofs of the empty tomb do not establish what saves us. Right. It is the actual person and work of Jesus. And you can line up every historical proof of the miracles, of the resurrection, of the death, 
well, I'm sorry, not resurrection, of the empty tomb, of the death. You can line up the historicity of the martyrs and say, well, logically, mm-hmm. people wouldn't have given their life for something they all made up. Right. But none of that is going to make someone believe. None of and, it. And it hasn't. I mean, right. we have all of history that demonstrates people hear that and say, nope, I don't believe nope. it. Or what Jesus claimed to be as the very son of God is not the explanation that I'm going to attach to those events. I'm going to attach a different explanation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was a, he was a charlatan. He had tricks up his sleeve or he was a deceiver. And his I think disciples alien is becoming popular, isn't he it? He was an alien, which, which seems to me much easier to believe than just what he said. You know, <laughs> yeah. Right? Intellectually speaking, that might sense? actually be yeah. easier. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, it gets kind of weird. Um, but, but the point is, all of these things are not the essence of our faith. I do not believe in the empty tomb. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And when someone says, well, did that actually happen? We say, yeah. Yeah, I, definitely. It absolutely actually happened. It actually happened in history at a point in time. At a certain time, at a certain place. Yeah. It happened. 2,000 years ago. or Right ish <laughs> but but i don't look to the proof of that event to be my faith see it's faith is in what christ has come and done that's the definitive action of god for mankind that that christ was incarnate right he lived the perfect life he died he was buried he rose he ascended he's returning these things are what christ has done and our faith is in that and mm-hmm. who christ said he is and what he did that's where our faith is. Well, and all these other things are simply things that we can share as a testimony to our faith, but they're not the things in which we believe. Right. It's when, when we talk about what but believe in believe? a faith trust sense, we, we do believe them, but we believe not as in like, yeah, it happened. We acknowledge yeah. <laughs> it. It's like someone asked me in high school one time, they walked, this was a big thing when I was, I'm, I'm old. So this is back in the day, right? <laughs> they said, do you believe in premarital sex? And I went, well, I believe it happens. <laughs> yeah. I think it's wrong, but I believe it happened. You know, right. so, so yes, of course we believe the resurrection is a historical event. Yes, but that's not where we put our saving faith. Right. I think something that's been helpful to me in identifying, okay, what are we actually trying to accomplish as we make this, as Kevin and I make this distinction, as we have these conversations, and Kevin, you had already mentioned it, but it's the, intellectualism over intellectualizing our faith or making it an intellectual pursuit and when we talk about faith in the events that's the intellectual pursuit side of it that's the intellectualism so we're we're saying let's let's avoid that we don't Mm -hmm. want that to be the object of our faith it's another ism we've talked about isms in the last couple weeks so we don't trust in our intellect the the others but we are wanting people to do is and i say this for myself too recognize we actually trust a person Mm -hmm. it's easy to intellectualize jesus and and turn him abstract into this concept that's out there that we can discuss as this external abstract reality Um, and that when we intellectualize our faith that's what we end up doing so we want to recognize no jesus is an actual person this is there is an actual relationship that we are discussing here and you cringe because of exact and i know exactly why you did kevin (laughs) because that word 
we're trying so hard to avoid that because of how that's been abused on the American evangelical side where the relationship thing is this warm, fuzzy, Jesus is my boyfriend kind of thing. And I'm, I'm waving my hand over here, but it says podcast. Girlfriend you can't see for that. me, thank you. Okay, Jesus is my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, you're right, for me as well. It, that, that's not less creepy, Kevin. That's work, that's it? also Ugh, it doesn't it help. Makes it worse. <laughs> yeah. So there there's that, and I kind of came from that particular background in in my upbringing, where the relationship was so overemphasized that it became this mystical, warm, fuzzy, ooey gooey. See, there's another ism. Ooh, mysticism. Yeah. Mysticism. So our 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 tension, our difficulty here. As, as we are as Kevin and I are talking and as you guys are listening is we've perhaps as Lutherans or as LCMS Lutherans swung too far on the intellectualism side and as Kevin and I are saying hey let's not do that the other danger is oh so you're swinging to the other side and you're going with the Jesus is my girlfriend thing and we're like nope nope that's not it either and yet Jesus is a person somewhere in the middle of this continuum, we need to acknowledge the realities of both. So I've been accused in the last, you know, 24 hours several times. By of, me? Of, no, oh. actually. Well, maybe by you, but by somebody <laughs> else that, that um, one of my very good friends. And he said, well, you're, you're reading the whole Bible through John. Oh, yeah. And I kind of said, well, for my first thought was, well, yeah, what's wrong with that? <laughs> but... But this is why John is so important for us, not just the gospel, but but the epistles as well, and in and, and some terms in Revelation, but that's a, that's a strange book to read. But what John really does is he, he focuses the reality on the person of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. John presents Jesus as God in the flesh, and you've got to deal with it. Yeah. You've just got to deal with that reality that this is a man who looks like a man, who sounds like a man, who will die like a man, who, you know, right? And so he's standing there looking at other people and they say, who do you think you are? And he continually says, I'm God. He says it in different ways throughout the gospel. He manifests it in different actions throughout the gospel, but he continually tells them, I'm the one the Old Testament was written about. I, before Abraham was, I am, mm-hmm. right? I was the God who appeared to the prophets in the Old Testament. And then John explicitly tells us at the end of his ministry, Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus' response is blessed. He doesn't say, don't worship me. Mm-hmm. He actually accepts his worship, which means he's putting himself in the place of God. Yeah. And in, in a Jewish setting, really in the place of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. So John's gospel is saying, I'm presenting Jesus to you as Yahweh. And, and it, yet, as a very as a person, mm-hmm. and that's something you've just got to reckon with. And Matthew does this in his gospel, right? I mean, he, he presents a genealogy, and yet the one that has a genealogy is God, hmm. and he's the divine Son of God. He's the divine Son of David, right? Quoting Psalm one ten, and throughout the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you read this where Jesus is actually offending people because he's claiming things that only can be claimed by Yahweh. He's doing things that only Yahweh does. So he walks on the water, right, Mm -hmm. in Mark, and he's going to pass by the boat, just like Yahweh walks on water and passes by. And they're like, 
who is this? <laughs> right. And, and the, so the, the issue for us is we're not putting our faith in a philosophy. Mm-hmm. We're not putting our, our faith even in a body of doctrines. Like our faith by the power of the Holy Spirit is in Jesus Christ. True God, true man, born of a virgin, suffered and died, third day rose again, ascended, he is returning. We can just go through the creeds, just read all the creed. of that good stuff. That's what we're saying. Yeah. And and, and part of what we're po- trying to point out is how easy it is to actually get away from that. Right. And so so we're, we're point, it, it might seem at times like we're nitpicking, but at other times, I know at least for myself, I realized, oh, wait, this isn't just nitpicking. I really went far off into left field with trusting this other thing that started off as a good thing. Right. And all of a sudden well, became the object of my faith. And now it's not a good thing anymore. And I got to be careful. <laughs> and that's exactly what happens with what's called verisimilitudes, which is these historical proofs of what Jesus actually did. Right. I can go back and I can prove it by archaeology. Hmm. And then all of a sudden we, we start saying, well, I know Jesus is who he says because of this fact or yeah. this proof. Or look, historians all agree. Josephus records. Yeah. You're like, but, but Josephus didn't believe. Right. So I'm not really thinking that Josephus is going to be the, the bedrock of my faith. And and that's kind of the issue. Is we, we say, yeah, all this stuff helps us. All this stuff um, encourages us in our faith. All of these things are that, that are reality. Let's, let's just say this. When up they're front. kept in their proper place. Yeah. Let's just say this up front. They can't disprove the truth. Mm-hmm. So we're not scared that science is one going to prove the six day creation to be untrue. I'm not scared of that. Or that one day it's going to prove that Jesus didn't actually exist. Right. It can't happen because Jesus <laughs> is who he says he is. The world was created just as God said he did it. I mean, mm-hmm. these are, we're not scared of this. Okay. I don't really care what science or history or, or philosophy, what, how they go off and what they, what they and their pursuits find. It doesn't affect me at all. I'm, I'm not scared that one day they're going to dig up the bones of Jesus. It's not possible. He is raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. And, and that is our faith. And, and the fact that there is an empty tomb that day, it might be something we can use to, to help witness to somebody else. It might be something we can use to help somebody think through some things. But that's not where our faith is founded. Our faith is founded on the promises of God in his word, in his sacraments, kept for us in Christ. That's how we know what we believe, right? So yeah. those words and sacraments deliver to us the actual person work of Jesus. And we say, that's the Holy Spirit is teaching me to believe in him. Mm-hmm. And this, this is why we've been talking the last couple of weeks, especially about trust, but then also starting to talk about fear. Uh, because those are, the, that's that's where it goes. You either trust or you fear. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of how we go. So when we find ourselves afraid that science might disprove the resurrection or history might disprove the existence of the ark right. or um, geology might disprove the, the, the reality of the global flood. There's no way we all came from one, one single person. Couple. Yeah, couple. So when we are afraid that these things might be disproved, what we're saying is look at that fear 
mm-hmm. and consider where your trust is. Right. When your trust is in Christ himself, who he is and what he said, we don't have to fear what science might one day find nope. that might appear to disprove because our trust is not in science. No, it's not. Our trust is not in our ability to gather history and interpret it and properly understand it. And, well, what if they find something that, you know, disproves the Bible? Our trust isn't in that. Nope. And so we don't fear those things. Because our trust is in the truth. Yeah. And his name is Jesus. And he died and he rose. And so when he says, when they come and ask him about marriage and he says, hey, look, back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. When God created Adam and he gave marriage, this is the way it went. We go, oh, wait, Jesus believed that Adam was actually a man, a person. Yeah. The first person and that marriage was given. And, and we go, well, it seems to me like Jesus is teaching us that Genesis is just what it is. True. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's a story it of what actually happened. And so we say, okay, I'll trust you. Yeah. Just like when he says this is my body and i look at it and i go this is a round wafer that isn't even bread <laughs> and tastes kind of off and right weird so faith says i will take you at your word even though my all of my senses even my intellect says i can't get that one figured out mm-hmm. but what do we all say as we kneel at that rail as we kneel before the altar and we receive in our hands the very body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he said so. And we trust that by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't care what scientist comes in and explains it otherwise, or even what theologian comes in and says, well, it means symbol. And we say, well, let's look at the words. Let's look at the text. Let's look at the scriptures themselves. What does it say? It does not treat this passage as symbol. Yeah. Paul does not treat Christ's words as symbolic at all. Yep. He says there are four things you receive in the Lord's Supper, and we say, okay, great. We'll do it. (laughs) Bread, body, wine, blood. And what what keeps coming to mind for me, because in the – I keep talking about having online discussions Mm -hmm. and social media. It's like I spend a lot of time there. Um, (laughs) But very often when this happens where I am having a conversation, actually even in real life, because I occasionally have the opportunity to have these in real life, it's talking to real people. In real life. That's weird. Yeah, it's 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 odd. People don't do that very much nowadays. No. There if somebody is not a Christian and hears me saying these sorts of things, the thought that goes through their head is, You're an idiot. Like you are you are a fool. Sure. That you would listen, you would hear science say something and say, Nope, I'm not gonna believe that. That you would take history and say, Nope. I'm not going to believe that. You take archaeology and geology, any of these human endeavors, mm-hmm. and say you're just you're just going to throw it out and say no, you don't, you're not going to believe that. You're a fool. And I look at scripture and I say, it's exactly what scripture says. It's exactly what we're told. And so I'm okay with that. Yes. <laughs> it's this is foolishness to Gentiles, Gentiles in the sense of unbelievers. Right. It's like if you don't believe. This is foolishness, which is why you can't take these things and try and convince somebody into the faith. You're, you're literally using foolishness to try and convince somebody of the truth. And yet, 
we don't throw away our brains right when we go to church right i mean that's and none of this fear. means i completely throw out my brain no. and i'm anti-intellectual not at all which we, is yeah actually peter and i spend a lot of time thinking about things and processing and i spend a lot of time we get reading. yelled at for nitpicking yeah. and <laughs> but but i mean we we spend our days using the gifts god has given us but always and i just i just say this and and people can write in and ask questions they want but always and only pointing to christ yeah that's the goal if if i die and people have one thing to say about me it's my it's my fervent prayer that all anybody remembers about me is that i i talked about jesus i pointed them to jesus i don't care if they know anything about me if they think i was smart or stupid or you know any other qualities it's it's that at the end of a life, you, you hope that someone says that that person, you know, believed so that in what's Jesus. His, that what's his face pointing right. to Jesus. That whoever that was, <laughs> they always talked about Jesus. And and that's really what we're saying is that we say that because the end of the, I mean, the reality is I'm a dying man. I need a savior. Period. Mm-hmm. I believe his name is Jesus. I believe he died for me. I yeah. believe he rose for me. I believe that's true for you, too. And that's, that's that. Now there are other details that come along with that, but that is the saving faith, mm. right? And, and that he worked that salvation through word, through sacraments. I learn about that in the church's doctrine. I learn about how to talk about the doctrine with the history of the church. I learned that, that the scriptures were written in real place by real time, by real people who had experience of real events. Yes. All mm-hmm. of that comes along with it. But the Spirit is driving me to to put all of my hope, all of my trust in Jesus, in exactly who he is and what he did for us. So that actually drives us to the next question that we wanted to tackle. Yeah. Which, go ahead, Peter. I'm going to pull it up here in our show notes. So this 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 is a, a conversation that, that Kevin and I have been a, a part of that we've been discussing. It's It's a hard one. And we want to acknowledge that right up front that the answers that are available for this particular question are not easy answers. Um, and they're a little bit squishy. Is that okay? Can I use that that's word? A, that's a deep theological word. <laughs> yes, that's a technical term, squishy. Yes. But but it's this idea of when, when a loved one dies and you don't have a clear Christian life or a clear Christian confession from this individual where... Um, they, they have they have lived their life, uh, perhaps even in ways where you look at it and say, ooh, that's not something a Christian does. They, they just, you shouldn't be doing that. And this, this individual dies, but they were baptized at some point in their life. And at some point they did profess the Christian faith and they did have faith in Christ for their salvation. And somehow they, somehow, some way they've, they've walked away. What, how, how do we look at that in terms of, well, where are they now? Are they with Christ or are they experiencing hell? Is, is that, what is, what is their eternal state at that point? Because based on their life in looking at them, I, I'm kind of or, thinking they, maybe they weren't Christians anymore. And maybe even based on their confession. I mean, I, yeah. I, I have a friend who, who actually confessed atheism, you know, and, and as far as I know, died in that confession. 
and yet was a baptized child of God as an infant hmm. and grew up as a Lutheran, was confirmed as a Lutheran, um, and yet confessed atheism or agnosticism, depending on whichever way mm-hmm. you want to go. Um, just so people realize, atheism means that you don't believe there's a God, which yeah. isn't really true, but that's what they say. The agnosticism is the, is the idea you're not that sure. I don't know if there's a God or not. Yeah, neither of which are true. Everyone knows there's a God, and everyone believes in God. They just don't like Him sometimes. Um, but so, so and what it, we're going to talk about is kind of all these realms, not yeah. just not just by works, but even by their confessions sometimes. And the question is, how do we how do we conceive of this? Is there any comfort? And especially if I know where this often comes up in my own experience is you're at a, a funeral for mm-hmm. one of these individuals and mm-hmm. it's at a Lutheran church and the pastor gets up there and says, well, they were baptized as an infant. Therefore, boom, they're in. Yeah, Everything's great. And rightly or wrongly, we bristle at that and say, well, no, there's got to be more to it than that because that person did any number of ungodly things throughout the end of their life that really Christians should not be doing. How can I say this person's a, how can he stand up there and just make that declaration is is baptism a free pass from anything else see i i, I think there's there's so much going on here i'm, I'm yeah. really worried that we're <laughs> opening a giant can of worms that we can never even come close to dealing with um and we have five minutes yeah we have five minutes. Great. <laughs> I, I think as i've been thinking about this lately and, and as i've dealt with this many times in my in my life one of the things that I would say is is look to Christ alone. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as we're tempted to look at the person who died, look to Christ alone. And when when God, excuse me. <coughs> Ooh, this week it's your turn to cough. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, if people want to give, to give Kevin a cough button yeah, cough too, because the first money coming in is for my cough button. But when when God, and this is going to be really weird language, but when God chose to show us who he is, he sent his son mm-hmm. to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And that's the most important thing we know about God, is that God is a God of grace and mercy, steadfast love and forgiveness. That's who he is. That's what's manifest in Christ. He came to conquer death in the grave. He con- came to conquer our enemy of sin and the power of Satan, and he did it. No question on that. Mm-hmm. He did it. And that salvation is accomplished, or that forgiveness is, is accomplished for everyone, regardless of you believe it or not. It was accomplished for you on the cross. It was sealed for you in the resurrection. It is, it is true for everyone, mm-hmm. right? So when you look at God in this scenario, that's the way you want to approach him. Now, the terrifying reality that we must also admit is that Jesus talked about hell more than anyone else in the Bible. Yeah. More than the entire Old Testament combined, more than Paul. Jesus is the one who talks about hell. So we also have to recognize that that's a reality. Yeah. We can't just pretend. And, and as we are struggling through this, this question, the reality is some, some of us will spend eternity with Christ in paradise, bliss, whatever words are appropriate for that. Right. And there are those who will spend eternity in hell. 
separated Se- from him. separated from Christ. Yes. And what and and the reality of that. So as we answer this question, we are by no means universalists because I think some of the yeah. things we might say might cause people to think, well, are you universalist? And yeah, nope, no, definitely not. No, there. I, I might even go so clear. far as to say there might be. I don't know. Can we say there might be more in hell because that the no. way to heaven is narrow and the other way is wide? See, numbers are scary. You don't want yeah. to numbers because right. um, one of my wise professors once said, "Numbers are law, ah, so indeed. they don't belong in the discussion of the gospel," which is an interesting thing because Jesus himself says that the seed multiply a hundred times, which seems to be numbers, but you don't ask your professor these kinds of questions. Right. Um, Anyways, I but, just want to put that out there as we talk. Yeah. And, and that's an important thing. And that's what I was getting at is that we, we do affirm the fear that God's word does reveal that there is eternal punishment for certain people. Mm-hmm. And we don't get to say, it doesn't say that. Right. We don't get to pretend that isn't true. Right. So in no way is any of this discussion going to say, Oh, it actually ends up fine in the end for everybody. Not at all. Yeah. There, there is actual fear behind this. For me, too. I have, I have friends. I have loved ones that I honestly don't know if they died in the faith. And I have a couple that I'm, from their confession, died outside of Christ. And, and this is why this is a hard and painful question. This, this would not be a hard or painful discussion if we were universalists. Yeah, we just say, like, don't worry about it. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, no problem. The, the reason this is hard is because we have to say... Some people are going to be in hell. Yeah. And that is the absolute worst, literally the worst thing The ever. worst thing. And, and it's it's a thought that no loving person wants to actually have about anyone they love. Yeah. I mean, you just don't. Because it's, it's eternally awful to think and, about. And we avoid having those thoughts as much right. as we can. So so getting back to the topic, I, yeah. th- I think the first approach is to look at God as he has chosen to make himself known to us. And that is in grace and mercy through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's the first thing you want to do is that in these situations, run to Jesus. Don't go anywhere else. Honestly, we'd actually say that's the answer to any situation. Yeah, don't give it away. That's, that's Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Continue. But, but even in this, I mean, we're tempted to run to so many other things. We're tempted to run to the justice of God or... They, had, well. the, they had the right list of doctrines... Or they um, had I, the right works. Right. I think or, baptism still works. Or, the, or or they lived out a life that appeared to be Christian. We want to run to that. Right. Or, I mean, anything. We, we actually run to just about anything. We try to hope it works. Yeah. And, and I think the best thing to do is, is actually, at this moment, to repent of your own sins and to trust in Christ as the resurrection of the dead. Mm. And I'm just going to say this, and and Peter, you can you can tell me if this doesn't sound right, or we can edit this later if I guess we have to. <laughs> we haven't edited but anything yet. Why would we start anything, now? <laughs> but the reality of God is this: He is who He is, and I don't get to change that. He didn't ask for my opinion, mm-hmm. and He doesn't ask for your opinion. He actually is God. In all that that means. And I'm stuck with two choices or one choice between two things. I can either worship him or I can hate him. Yeah. And this is an issue that tempts us to hate him. Yeah, because we don't like. I don't want it to be true. Yeah. 
I don't want his justice and what he says that means to be true in this scenario. I want it to be true maybe for the people who deserve it that I don't know or love. Hitler. Yeah. I yeah can, we're yeah. always okay if Hitler's I can always, hell. even though, you know, <laughs> somebody loved Hitler, though. Yeah. And, and so this is the problem. It's become very, we become very, very honest in the way we feel about God or we think about God when it comes to somebody we love. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's so important that we affirm in these moments that we run to God's grace and mercy and we worship him. And this is a question of what are we trusting? Yes. And who are we trusting? I mean, that's right. that's why we've decided to have this question in this episode, in this context, because it is a question of trust. And, and I think the, the non-satisfying answer, but the true answer is run to the cross, run to the resurrection. I can't give you comfort where scripture doesn't promise comfort. Yeah. All I can do is commend to you the cross of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the hope. And it's a hope yeah. of mercy. I, I can't... If, if someone dies in their baptismal grace, they've been receiving the Lord's Supper, they've confessed Christ, we can give 100% assurance without any doubts. Yeah, We say, God worked through those means as he promised to keep that person in the faith by the power of the Holy Spirit that person is joined to the resurrection of Christ. No, even we're not even when they that. die in despair. Even when they mess up a little bit. Yep. Whatever, right? Yep. Even if they die, yeah, like you said, in despair, maybe questioning God because they're on their deathbed, mm-hmm. whatever. That's fine. We don't care. We look at God's actions in Christ. We say, this is this is for this person. Yeah. We, we, we know this. God has but, promised them and continued to promise to them and continued to li- deliver to them. We're going to trust right. him. We trust that. Yeah. We're talking about a scenario when those things aren't the reality. Yeah. And that's the place where we can't actually give comfort where comfort isn't promised. Yeah. And so part of part of trust is that I'm not going to I'm not going to try to make up for God and say, oh, I can give you words of comfort when God can't or doesn't or refuses to. Yeah. So part of our role as as trusting in God is to trust that he's good. And even in this, he's good. Yeah. I don't always like what it means that God is good. My, my sin actually is what hinders me in this. Right. Because whatever God does is good, but my sinful nature says, no, whatever I think is, is good. good. And I know as the discussion went on, one person actually said, this is causing me fear and witnessing. Mm-hmm. Because if I actually go down this road, I have to deal with the reality of what it means for my loved ones. Yeah. And, and first of all, we empathize with that. Yes. Our heart breaks with that because we've all had that thought. Yeah, that we, we all are in it's, that situation. It's just, it's gut-wrenching. And and we're not minimizing that at all. Uh, we pray that you find a pastor you can sit and talk with, that you can come alongside your parish pastor and he can really work with you through this, pray for you and, mm-hmm. and weep with you during this. But even in this, turn to Christ, run to him, Repent of sins and trust that God is good. That when he reveals himself to us, he shows himself to us as a God of grace and mercy. In both Testaments, Old Testament, New Testament, he says, hey, here's what you need to know about me. I am a God of steadfast love. Hmm. I am a God of immense 
patience and mercy, right? Paul even says he, he does all this stuff so that he might have mercy on us. Yeah. And, and that's what we commend to you in these situations is I can't give you an easy answer and nobody can. Yeah. But we can give you Christ and we can say for you and every single person you talk to today, give them Christ. Give them the hope of the resurrection in Christ Jesus. Make sure that that when this touches you, make sure your kids know. Mm. Right? Yeah. Make sure your kids know about the death and resurrection of their Savior. Make sure your spouse knows today. Just look at her and say, don't forget today. Mm-hmm. God loves you. Jesus died for you. He rose for you. You're forgiven. You're a child of God. And if there's somebody at work, you have the opportunity to tell them, tell them. Yeah. Tell them. Point them to Jesus. As scary as that can be. Yeah. It just, <laughs> just point them to you because this is the point. He is the resurrection. Yeah. There's no other hope. He's the place we put our trust. Open your scriptures and read about it today. Hmm. Don't go to bed tonight without reading your Bible. Read about the resurrection of Jesus. Read about the death of Christ. Read about the forgiveness of sins. Read about the Trinity and the sacraments. Read the word of God and find in them Christ for you. Sins forgiven, eternal life life promise for all who trust in him. This is why we are Crucial Productions. Teaching you Christianity so you can pass it on. What is it that you're passing on? Jesus. It, it, everything that we hope to do, that we are doing and hopefully have done in, in Crucial Productions is pointing you to Christ so that you can point others to Christ. That's what we're here for, and we hope you guys come back next week for more. Thanks. <laughs>